Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's hit it. And welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I hope you enjoyed our opening music. It's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, featuring Maya Dore. And um, if you'd like to download that, just go to any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you that are new to our show, we're about sound information, not just sound bites. Our goal is to raise all voices, big and small, around the world so we can learn from one another. As for you, our listeners, I just love you to death. Your loyalty just touches my heart. So thank you for your likes, clicks, and shares. And in this fashion, I think that's how we're going to win this battle against dementia, by collaborating, by lifting one another out, by getting those services, products, and tools out to people. Speaking of that, we just launched Dementia Map, which is a global resource directory, and we are just spreading the word organically. So check out DementiaMap.com. If you'd like a, a virtual demo tour, I'd be more than glad to arrange that with you. Want to give a shout out to an upcoming memory cafe uh, here in Minnesota, but it doesn't make any difference if you're not in Minnesota or if you're on the other side of the world because it's virtual and it's hosted by Artist Senior Living of Woodbury. Our um, next one is going to be December 16th and it's from one to two o'clock and that's central time. So if you live in a different area, um, you can reach out to me or you can call them at 612-200-0506. And let's see, wanna give a shout out to Coral Health because you can download free during COVID there are two apps, Music First and Choral Faith, and of course to the Memory Cafe directory where you can find where all the cafes are pretty much around the world. Dave has coordinated five different country directories and he has broken them down to which ones are virtual. And if they're virtual, pretty much everyone is welcome. Let's go to the Foot Bar Walker and hear what they have to say. And then we're gonna to get to our show and talk about airport travel. And you are going to be amazed at the wonderful progress one group has made. The Footbar Walker was designed not only to assist the patient, but also the caregiver. It's like having a portable pull bar everywhere you go. Patients have more control of their motion and pain management, and no lifting from the caregiver is required. Caregivers, put your foot down and quit hurting your own health. No matter which side of the Footbar Walker you're on, it's a win-win. Call 731-924-4444 and visit our factory showroom in Paris, Tennessee, or visit us online at thefootbarwalker.com. Well, I'm so excited to finally be able to introduce you all to our guests today. We have the Dementia Friendly Airports Working Group with us, and they have made magnificent headway in terms of getting the attention of our airports to become more dementia friendly, um, which you know is a benefit to all hidden disabilities there. And so I'm gonna introduce the team one by one. And I wanna start out with the lead kahuna who is dear to all of our hearts and she is involved in so many things. I don't know where she gets the energy or the organization, uh, but her name is Sarah Barcel. 
And she's the organizer, not only of the Dementia Friendly Airports Working Group, but the Roseville Alzheimer's and Dementia Community Action Team, along with the Roseville Community Health Awareness Team. And she, I, I can't give her enough accolades for her persistence and organization because without her, um, these groups would have a tough time moving forward. And uh, she has really been a force to be reckoned with and that is in a very, very good way. And when she's not organizing, she's taking a deep breath out in her gardens, which uh, that ain't happening so much anymore in Minnesota because we've got snow cover. So welcome, Sarah, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. And Lori has been at my side for all of these groups when they've gotten started and she's continued to work in them. So she's being very modest and they wouldn't happen without her and they wouldn't happen without everybody else on this screen. So. Great, thank, thank you. you. I'm gonna introduce uh, Paula Rice Beaver next. She is a volunteer for the Louis Body Dementia Association and she facilitates two support groups for caregivers and another for persons living with Louis Body and their care partners. She's a member not only of the Roseville uh, AD, which is the Roseville Community uh, Dementia Community Action Team, but also the Dementia Friendly Airports Working Group. And she is so organized and so detailed, um, really a joy to work with in terms of how she gathers information and just keeps pushing it out to people. Um, amazing. So welcome, Paula. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. Well, I'm pleased to be associated with this group. Done a lot of excellent projects, and I'm really proud to be part of it. Yeah, sometimes you get involved in groups and they don't really move forward. They talk a lot and go in circles, but um, all of these groups really move ahead, which is, is the exciting part and is, adds to that energy and that passion, which pulls more people in to get more things done. So very neat. Next, I'm going to introduce you to John Richard Pagan. He has a background in marriage and family therapy and is working on his doctorate in uh, clinical psychology when he first experienced a decline of mild cognitive impairment. Today, he's an avid advocate for Dementia Action Alliance and the Lewy Body Dementia Association. He presently is participating in two different advisory panels, uh, one for the National Academies of Science, Engineer, and Medicine, and um, John Richard is also uh, a recent addition to the Dementia Friendly Airports Working Group. So welcome, John Richard. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, I'm excited. I've done a lot with uh, DAA or Dementia Action Alliance over the years, too, and they're a very powerful group. So I'm just going to give them a quick plug for the new programs that they have out both online. One is for people living at home with dementia and the other is in assisted living, people living with dementia and assisted living, both are free. So you can always check out daanow.org for more information on, on that. And last but not least, we have uh, Carol Giuliani, who has a business called Senior Travel Companion Services, which offers customized trip planning and travel escort for individuals, seniors, and couples. And she is experienced as a caregiver herself, and she is also a professional fiduciary. Carol is a member of the Dementia Friendly Airports Working Group. And so welcome today, Carol, how are you? Great, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on again. It was fun last time and I'm looking forward to today. Thank you. Great. You really provide a great service to people. And I think so many people don't even know this exists. And so it, that is so critically important. Everything all of you guys are doing, um, you know, there's just limited knowledge in terms of reach to get to people, to let them know all these great services are out there. So um, thank you all for, for joining us today. I'm going to start out with Sarah. And Sarah, I'm going to have you explain to us what the heck is the Dementia Friendly Airports Working Group? And if you can kind of share a little bit of history, who the membership really represents and what are your goals? Okay, I'll try. And I may be helped by my cat who's right on the side and I'll keep pushing her away. All are welcomed. <laughs> Thank you. 
we call it DFOG, the Dementia-Friendly Airports Working Group. We're a volunteer collaboration of people who are working in the field, academics, people who are former and current caregivers, and people who have dementia. And the goal is to try and facilitate development and institution of protocols that make it easier for people with dementia and their care partners to travel, especially air travel. So we have a website, we have, and you'll hear about all these pieces as the program goes on. We have a tagline, which is actively working to improve travel conditions for people with living with dementia and their care partners. Um, we put together a survey in order to get information about what the conditions were because we discovered that there was very little information about how people living with dementia or their care partners were in, impacted when they tried to do anything with air travel. Um, the group started in 2018 because Joe Gogler, who is faculty at the University of Minnesota School of Public Health, went to an international conference in Brisbane, Australia, and he sent me an email saying, hey, the Brisbane airport is labeled as dementia friendly. What's the status with Minnesota St. Paul airport? And if it's not dementia friendly, why doesn't your group make it happen? So long story short, we formed a subgroup and that includes some of Joe's academic group. And we said, what can we do? and started to look at information that came out of the survey, which would help us uh, identify areas that could be addressed without changing uh, air travel regulations. So I think that's about it. Wonderful. And we'll be hearing more about the survey um, as yeah. we go into the interview and, and the specific workings. Um, Paula, can you tell us the definition of a dementia-friendly airport? Sure. It's one of the first things that we discovered when we got involved in this project was that there nobody had really defined what made an airport dementia-friendly. So as a group, we got together and came up with a definition or guidelines as to what we would regard a dementia-friendly airport consisting of. This is what we came up with. A dementia-friendly airport accommodates the needs of persons living with dementia and their care partners in a way that enables them to travel safely and comfortably navigate procedures required to travel by plane. They do this by enabling people living with dementia and their care partners to make use of amenities and resources at the airport by having procedures, check-in, baggage, check, security in place that help persons living with dementia and their care partners navigate the airport, board and deploying in a timely and low-stress manner, and by having personnel that are trained and experienced in supporting the needs of persons with dementia in their care partners. They also should be capable of managing emergencies in a competent and caring manner and also encourage airlines to accommodate the needs of persons with dementia while they're on board their plane. So that's pretty much the definition that we came up with as to the components of what makes an airport dementia friendly. And that's a really nice, well-rounded thing. I remember when I, um, was able to participate in, in some of the meetings and stuff. And one of the things we were gonna to try to attack was, was the signage. And that, I mean, uh, that would cost millions of dollars. I mean, when you go into the airport and you, you start looking. So I like, I like you know, what you've got because it's, it's reasonable and it's a, it'll be high, high, high impact with all of that. So wonderful. Thank you so much, Paula. Next, I want to, um, talk with John Richard and find out what you feel is necessary for dementia friendly, um, the dementia friendly airport groups to work on and what are some of the issues that you personally encountered living with dementia when you traveled? 
Sure. Um, when, in fact, that's how, how my uh, connection happened with the uh, with defog was that I had written a letter about my experiences uh, with the with the TSA and the airport in general during one of my trips. Um, you know, for someone living with dementia, an airport is already a stressful a stressful thing. It, it's it's loud. It there's a lot of stuff happening all at once, a lot of different directions. There's change occurring. There are, our whole world is being uplifted as we got our bags packed suddenly and, and things in different pockets and which way is up. Um, and you, you get to an airport and in, the fir- in my first experience, then my one experience and my worst case experience, I was actually uh, placed into a wheelchair and then shuffled off to a to an area where I was pinned up for two hours waiting for or waiting to be pushed over to my plane. Um, it, was, it was absolutely horrendous. Uh, none of us were given any opportunities to get water, to get food, to use restrooms. Um, we watched employees eat food while, while we sat there. Um, it was a horrible, horrible experience. But then you you go from that that you get to you get a, a wheelchair um, uh, person a person who's helping you with your wheelchair, and they push you out to to your uh, to the TSA, and if you're got a care partner with you, that care partner is running to keep up with that wheelchair ass, uh, assistant, who is racing through the the corridors to get to where they're going. Uh, they're they're not thinking about how the bumps affect affect the person who's riding. They're not effect, uh, uh, thinking about the turns. Um, they're often just they're just doing their best to get from point A to point B very fast. Um, the once you get to TSA, I'm split. In my case, I was split up with my care partner, and I was left looking back and forth. I'm already stressed out. I'm having difficulty talking because of the stress, um, you know, I, I'm having difficulties figuring out where things are at. In my case, my dementia also includes physical attributes, physical things that are wrong, which has caused me to have to have a pacemaker. I'm trying to explain to them that I have a pacemaker and not getting my message across to them clearly enough. And I'm looking everywhere from my mother, who's my care partner. And she's been shuffled off to a different gate. I've got employees now yelling back and forth saying, he's refusing this x-ray because uh, he's refusing this x-ray, he's refusing this x-ray, what do we do? And, and they're yelling and they're making me feel like, oh, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? The, the stress level is, was so high. And then I, I get to the, the standing uh, x-ray and I, because of my mobility issues, I can't stand straight up and, and take both hands off because I walked up with a cane and they took that from me. So I go to lean with one finger on the on the wall and oh, you can't do that. Uh-uh, no, no, you gotta go to a different area. You know, uh, one thing after another. Uh, there are no seats with a TS, in, in the TSA area for sitting down to take your shoes off there, there's, there's no clear instruction and it's a lot of loud voices barking commands. And when I, when I experienced that, besides being in tears and never wanting to do it again and going through it three times during that trip, it was a horrible experience. And so when this group decided that they wanted to do a screening process uh, uh, an outline for for TSA and, and to go through, I was all for that, and that's what they've done. They've done a, a beautiful two-page screening process where they've outlined to speak to somebody as a human being, to speak to them compassionately with a nice tone, to be clear on the instructions, and not throw too many things out at once. Wonderful. I can I can see how frustrating that must have been. I mean, anybody who doesn't travel often, it's high stress for most people. 
Um, you're trying to figure out signage and you're trying to figure out where the bathrooms are and where the gate is and did it change and you get from one point to another and every screening process is a little bit different. You know, do I have to take my computers and electronics out or can they go through? Um, you know, and one of the things that hit me was when you said you you got separated and they didn't ask, you know, could you stand up in in this machine or should we, you know, if they would have just asked you that, then it wouldn't have been um, so humiliating. I'm sure that felt horrible because they're yelling at you and saying, oh, we can't do this and making a, they're making a scene. And they don't even realize, I think that they're doing some of those things. Um, and just the approach of people, I've seen it many times when I travel, just, you know, if, if someone's got a smile and a calm voice, makes a huge difference and rah, 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 you know when they're barking orders at you i mean and that goes for any of us but with somebody with dementia probably even more and these so. may be good workers so they're just they're just not trained and how to manage these situations yep yeah and you mentioned the noise levels which i think bother a lot of people um, I know as I age now, and I don't think I've got dementia, but Lord only knows, but I know noise levels really bother me. And I could never understand that when my parents would talk about it. But I've reached that point now where, oh, I get that background noise thing <laughs> and, and, and even different tones of voice. Um, so I'm so glad that you joined this group and that you that you, you know, wrote about it. And uh, it's very important for them to get the real life experience of, of going through the process and the impact that their employees have on this, because the smoother they can make it, the less problems they're gonna have and the easier it's gonna be on everybody because then everybody gets agitated and upset and are they gonna act like, act like that with me too? I mean, you get all of those things going on. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, Carol, I wanna ask you because you have you know, you have been on a lot of trips with a lot of people, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of things um, in the airport. So can you share some of the issues that you have run up against um, when you've been traveling? Oh, sure. Yeah, I have done over 60 trips with my business um, as a senior travel companion. Uh, and a lot of those are with people with dementia or with other disabilities. And I agree very much with John Richard for that. Um, going through TSA can be a real issue. Um, going, boarding can be an issue. Where you sit on the plane is a problem. Um, trying to find a companion care bathroom that's open uh, can be troublesome. So I take these folks from step one, which is picking them up at their home usually and uh, getting them to the airport, through the airport, door to door uh, to make sure that all the pieces are there that I know what's going to go through the, um, in their suitcase or their carry-on, what's going to go through the security screening, what their medical situation is, um, a mental and physical situation, so that that could be a smoother process. But yeah, really, the, it's, it's a big problem with the TSA when you get the pat-downs and they spend 15, 20 minutes doing that for somebody who doesn't understand what's going on. Um, when I go through security and they try to separate me and I'll say, hey, um, this person has a hidden disability and we need to maintain eye contact, if not physical contact. So I generally always make someone go through in a wheelchair, but then that exposes them to the severe pat down that you get that um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense when they throw 15 instructions at you at once. And any, anybody would get um, a little flustered by that. And it is, I think, embarrassing and humiliating for people to, to um, go through that kind of a procedure. But um, there's a lot of little things that can go wrong and being the care, care person that goes with an individual with dementia, going through the airport and, and getting on the plane and actually flying with these folks uh, makes it a heck of a lot easier because I've can, I can control the situation to a large extent but it's always different. I mean, sometimes people with dementia lose their identification and I get to the airport and generally I know whether or not they have it. And if they don't have it in advance, I um, can get them through the airport with a bottle of pills and some other kind of identification, but that happens sometimes. And, you know, most people don't know that you can travel without identification on occasion, 
but that's a rare thing and that just makes it more complicated. But there's a lot of um, little things like that, that you, little trips, tick, uh, tips and tricks that we've worked on and the Dementia Friendly Airport has worked, the working group has worked on to put together for people to make it a smoother ride through the airport, smoother transition and on to their um, destination. Well, you know, one of the things too that I, I, um, I think about is people don't know what they don't know. <clears throat> so if they haven't been through the process or maybe they traveled all the time, but now their loved one has dementia, they don't think of all these things because, well, we didn't have a problem last time. And then all of a sudden there's an issue because things have changed. And <clears throat> excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. And so it's, it's so important for us to be able to educate people on, you know, think about this. And I know even in the, in the early stages, we were all kind of surprised at some of the services that the airports had that nobody knew they had. You know, it's kind of like, come on airports, you, you have to market this. This is a huge need, not just for people with, dis, um, <clears throat> with dementia, but with hidden disabilities as a whole. I don't care if it's autism or someone's sight or hearing or whatever, but market this stuff. This is, this is good stuff and it can always be improved. And I know that's what the group's working on. It's a great start, but you know, people need to know it's there. Um, and even from the, the point of filling out and purchasing a ticket, um, if there's a tickler there. And Carol, maybe you can talk to that. Cause I know when I've, when I've got my um, airplane tickets, I've never seen anything ask me, you know, do I have any, any special issues, but maybe I'm just so used to doing it. I, I've ignored it. Oh, sure. I mean, I've taken people, most of the time I have my own wheelchair or else one of the airport wheelchairs and the airport, the airlines are known to lose pieces like the seat cushion or the foot pedals. So I know to take those off and to put them in a bag and carry them on with me and to tie up the wheelchair with a piece of Velcro, not a bungee cord, but Velcro um, to get it on and off the plane. There's a lot of little tricks like that. And especially during COVID because things are changing and I'm moving a lot of people across country that maybe haven't been on an airplane for years. You know, folks want their, their seniors to come home or to go to a different destination. So I'm having to work hard now to get them cross country safely on an airplane because a lot of times the family caregivers can't or don't want to fly. So that's opened up a whole new can of worms. Um, but there's, yeah, just a lot of things that you need to learn and booking tickets. Yes, you can get a um, seat in the front of the economy, even without paying for the, um, the upgrade, because the, uh, uh, there's a federal law that says that anybody with a disability can ask for and get a preferred seat without, you have to still be in the same class of, of seating, but it's just a nice thing to know because then you're gonna be closer to the front and to the bathroom and everything else. And that's where most people wanna be. And I just need to ask you this. So when you're doing that, like, can I get that? Is there a way for me to tickle that when I'm doing my own ticket or do you really need to go through a travel agent to get to that level, to, to be able to get that approved? Oh, no, you can do that yourself. And I've got that. It's on our resources for the defogs resources for travel. That's one of the things that we included on that was um, the, the, how um, you can do that process. Any, anybody can do it that's got a disability. Um, and they should. They can do special needs. Delta's real good about that, doing it in advance. Um, United's pretty good. United will let you do virtually everything online. But it's um, going through that process um, with the online ticketing. So I've done 50 trips since um, the beginning of the year now, 50 flights. Uh, and uh, I'm seeing that it's getting a little bit easier to do that all the time, actually. Wonderful. Well, that that is great news. Um, Lauren, next, oh, go ahead, Sarah. Sorry. On the DFOG website, there are detailed instructions as to how to get different protocols to work in your benefit. And that includes TSA, which has specialty considerations, but you have to know to ask for them and such. So if people look on the website under the resources for traveling, they'll find this and they'll find that the links are direct links. So they get updated as, as information changes. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, I want to get into um, having you guys share 
what, what are some of the accomplishments that you've made? And Sarah, I'm going to have you start, if you wouldn't mind, uh, talking about this survey, because that was such a huge project, um, which probably wouldn't have gotten accomplished without the University of Minnesota. They played such a huge, huge part in that. So if you can talk about that, please. Sure. We, we constructed uh, a traveling with dementia airport stories survey which was an electronic survey. It was available for three months. Uh, it was held, uh, it, it's um, copyright and held uh, in the University of Minnesota system so that it's not widely open to anybody. But we, we made the link available to anybody who wanted to take it. And it collected information from people who self-identified as either care partners, travel companions, or people with dementia or mild cognitive impairment. And it asked a series of questions. And the questions dealt with uh, what are your experiences, especially on your last trip, uh, with respect to getting to the airport, navigating the airport, getting through security, getting to the gates, boarding. Um, and then when you land, what were your experiences with baggage claim and, and leaving that uh, arrival airport? Um, we wanted the information because we knew that there was almost no information about those details available for the dementia population. Um, we had seen, and a member of our group is the person in Australia who had put together a very short survey on some of those topics for people in Brisbane. And so we wanted to increase the amount of information that was available on those particular questions. And um, we had over 200, close to 250 people respond. Uh, the information is being processed now, it's being put into academic presentations. But for us, the most important thing is that it highlighted areas that people felt they had difficulties with so that we could address those and start to develop tools or education to change those areas. Wonderful, thank you. And Paula, can you talk about um, the website and, um, and how people can access that and what they can expect to find there? Well, sure. The website, um, which was organized right away as soon as our group was formed really, um, has, various sections that are geared towards helping people with airport travel. Uh, we have uh, under resources for travel, which is probably the most robust section, we've got a flight process from start to finish, which, which outlines all the steps from purchasing tickets until the planning and arriving at your destination. We go through that step-by-step step, giving tips and tricks throughout different uh, challenges and difficulties that people might run across. We also have tools for travel, which is tracking devices, medical alerts, companion services, security and navigation tools, self-ID tools. We've got links to all sorts of various products and services on that uh, section of our resource page. We have travel tips. Many groups have put together excellent travel tips for people living with dementia or their care partners. So we have links to those various lists of tips. We also have actual air travel policies concerning COVID and the restrictions that that has placed upon air travel. That's just one of our sections. Our other sections have uh, our working definition of dementia-friendly airports along with links to various articles about airports that have put forth the effort to become dementia friendly. We've got uh, information about our projects, our survey, and also our latest project that John Richard touched on, our TSA National Shift Brief. We've got academic presentations, and also we have information about the sunflower lanyard, which Sarah can probably also uh, touch bases on. What are we working on now? Well, that we'll find out uh, later on in our interview. 
so, <clears throat> sounds like an awful lot of information. I mean, it's, it amazes me what you guys have done in just really a very short per period and the international aspect of pulling together the resources and making the shift and, and pulling people together. It's, it's very, very exciting. Um, anything that anyone wants to add to what Sarah had highlighted and Paula? Okay, okay, Carol? Uh, yeah, I, I was just gonna say that, yeah, the, the resources for travel is something that I put some time into and that is evolving, um, but it also includes other resources like the book, one of the books that um, I rely on is Traveling with Dementia that Jan Doherty wrote, which is um, a great book and uh, gives you some more of the, the specific tips and like um, Paula said, we've got the lanyards here. I'm showing one to you if you haven't seen one, Lori. But um, yeah, just uh, how those are, are starting to work for us. And hopefully we'll have a lot more information about that. Wonderful. Thank you. John Richard, can you share with us the involvement you, you've had in the group with TSA? And, um, and then your personal story, how that's affected them as well? Well, yeah, certainly. Um... I was excited to find, to learn that uh, that individuals within the uh, the working group uh, were able to reach out to the FAA and 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 together get TSA's briefs um, quarter I believe they're quarterly briefs. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but uh, to to consider an outline of things, recommendations that TSA would do to help improve the, uh, how they work with people with hidden disabilities such as dementia. Um, and they, they actually took, they actually had asked for a single page and were given, in turn, were given by us three pages worth, two pages being the suggestions and one page being the letter that I wrote sharing my personal experience. And uh, we were quite surprised when they came back with minimal changes and, and agreed to all three pages to uh, list in their briefings. Uh, you can find those on our website under... Uh, under uh, projects. Projects, thank you. And um, with the full outline of what the recommendations are as well as the letter that I wrote. That's fantastic. And, you know, it says a lot that they asked for one and they took three. I mean, so, you know, it has to be concise and powerful and to the point and kind of slapped them in the face going, wow, did we, we were missing the boat here. So kudos to all of you guys. And for Sarah's persistence for her connections with the airport here locally. Well, can I add to that? Sure. This, came, this came about through a connection with the federal TSA. Um, they have a disabilities committee. It's an advisory coalition. And I participate in that and I approached them and I said, would you be willing to take some best practices material if we developed it? And the answer was yes. So we developed it in collaboration with them. We submitted drafts and then they came back. But the biggest deal about this is that this material was incorporated into two successive weeks of um, shift updates. These are federal regulations and information that are presented. They are read aloud to all security agents at all airports as they come into their new shift for the week. So that put information, best practices that John Richard and Paula and myself and you and Deb Nygaard and Amy House had worked on, it put that information in front of these TSA security agents. And then it put John Richard's essay in front of them so that they could read that. That's a big deal. We've never had anything like that happen before um, and it also strengthened our connection with the federal TSA uh, Disabilities Committee. So if we come back with other suggestions or questions, we get answers. 
And I think that that's, that's really valuable. And that's very different than anything we've gotten from individual airports or uh, security agents at particular airports. So that's the biggest deal about this. That's huge. That is absolutely massive, massive step. Now, I, I also was going to ask you, Sarah, about the academic presentations that are that you guys are um, involved in. So if you can share okay. that. P part of our group are people who are academics and they're, everybody's a volunteer. So their payment basically is that they get to publish papers or make presentations. So some of the information from our survey has been processed and it was just presented at a, a national meeting for the Gerontological Society of America. Uh, that poster in a week or two will be posted on our website so people can see what it is. We have other information that is going to be presented uh, at a virtual meeting that was scheduled for Singapore in December, and that's the Alzheimer's Disease International meeting. That's their annual meeting. And our information, just basically just a statement that we've done some of these things, has been incorporated into a global presentation uh, being done by people from the UK and Canada. And then other information is being incorporated um, by our Australian member who's then talking about her own data. So it's exciting to be able to do that and have people know that some of this is going on. And meanwhile, when we accomplish something, I send emails out to our connections in the UK, in Canada, in Australia saying, oh, look, we've done this, this may be of interest, or maybe you have something that we can share. So that's what goes on. Wonderful. Sarah, can you also touch on the lanyard um, sure. and where that came from and how, how that's being accepted and, and why that is such a powerful tool? I don't know how well you can see this. Um, Gatwick Airport back in 2012 had lots of people come through who were part of the Paralympics. And in order to prepare for that, they did special training for their airport staff. Now, you need to understand that the regulations for flight are different in the UK than they are in the US. And also the healthcare system is different. So they're much more supportive in the UK. So we knew that Gatwick had done that and then they decided that they needed to expand what they had done for the Paralympics and turn it into something to support anybody who had a hidden disability. And so something called the Hidden Disability Store was formatted and they have, they took as their design the sunflower. So you've got this green and yellow lanyard system you can also get a pin or a bracelet and such. But the whole idea is that they wanted somebody who wanted to self-identify as someone with a hidden disability to have a consistent, recognized way to do this. And it would enable them to obtain basically civil responses from anybody who's seeing that they have this particular system or symbol on. So Gatwick Airport and then Heathrow Airport and now I think just about all the airports in the UK adopted the Sunflower Lanyard. Uh, the people behind that also went out and talked to their national healthcare system, the rest of their transportation system, retail systems, um, the national soccer teams, uh, all kinds of groups and said, would you adopt this? If you adopt it, you have some minimal training so that you understand what's behind this. And these groups all did that. And now there are international airports which were adopting the lanyard. And we brought it up to MSP and they have just yesterday, so this is the 17th of November, they just rolled out their adoption of the sunflower lanyard. So it means that if somebody goes to MSP to travel, they can go to one of the designated desks 
and get a free sunflower lanyard with a little card. You can put your information on it or not. And the staff, the frontline staff at MSP will have received some minimal training to recognize that this means somebody needs some extra assistance. And so that's what the system is. And again, there's a link on our website to the Hidden Disability Store. There's much more information. There are stories that are recorded by people who have been using the sunflower lanyard talking about how it's made a difference in their lives. Well, that's pretty dang good for uh, how long we've been talking for the first time happening. Okay, um, Sarah, I'd also like to ask you, what what is the group currently working on? You've accomplished so much. You guys gotta be so proud of yourselves. I mean, it really is incredible the, the energy and the movement that is happening with all of this all around the world. I mean, it just, it really warms my heart because I know how much of a difference all of this is gonna make to, to even not just the dementia, you know, community itself, but, but all hidden disabilities. This is a huge, huge um, impact. So thank you first for all your work. And, but Sarah, can you tell us what, what are you guys up to now? Oh, okay. Um, aside from celebrating because of the TSA National Shift Brief, the bottom line is that we're developing new tools. John Richard and Brian LeBlanc, who are members of our group who live with dementia, are taking the lead in developing some new tools. One of them is what people with dementia, well, this is a working title. What do we want you to know when you're pushing us around in a wheelchair is one. And the other is what do we want you to know if we're in flight and have something happen that's dementia related, if we have hallucinations or something else happen, how do we want you to handle this? so that we can provide this information to the appropriate groups. It would be the concession people who run the wheelchairs or airlines for their staff, um, trying to find ways to get more information out there. Um, so that's, that's just starting. Um, we are working on sharing information with other groups around the US who are trying to make their airports dementia friendly. So a lot of our information just went out to Missoula, Montana. They, they took most of it wholesale and they've incorporated some of it into their uh, proposal to their airport people. Uh, we are coordinating with people in Phoenix, Arizona and in uh, Kansas City, Missouri to try and share, you know, what are we accomplishing? How do we do this? Can you do it better? But we're also working with people in the UK and internationally. And there it's a question of trying to identify what are they doing that's really working well? And then how can we adapt that with different regulatory systems and make some of that happen for our people here? So that's what we're working on. Is San Francisco also working on yes. their airport system? Yes, they are. And, and one of the people who I coordinate with uh, right now is is on maternity leave. So she's aware of what we've done, but I don't hear from her very often for good reasons. So Sarah, um, I might as well start with you because I got you unmuted. What, uh, what contact information do you want uh, our listeners to have for you? Well, I think the simplest thing is to send an email and the subject line would have my name. So just put Sarah and the address, the email address is dementiafriendlyairports at gmail.com. And that's the simplest way to reach anyone. You know, that, that retains people's personal privacy, but it still lets us get information and then I'll, I'll just distribute it to anybody okay. who wants it. Okay, that sounds good. Um, Carol, I'm going to ask you if you want to give out your company contact since, you know, you're a business. Senior Travel Companion Services. Dot com, or you can reach me at uh, 612-310-7401 or Carol S. Giuliani at Gmail. So um, best way is probably to go through the website if anybody needs any extra tips of travel or just 
um, ideas or questions about it, I'm really happy to just talk to anybody, whether or not you need my services or you just want to make it easier on yourselves and your individual that you're traveling with to get through to the airport, through the airports and to the destination. Now, I also want to give a plug for the Roseville AD group. Many people might not know, but the city of Roseville has really, really, really stood behind this whole dementia-friendly kind of community and, and the work that's been done. And they actually are listed on the official city site, which I still think to this day, you're the only you're the only community um, where the city has stepped up and said, hey, we want to highlight you on our official website. And I would really encourage others to approach their cities because this is where it really needs to be in terms of community base. It's very, very important. So can somebody give us the website to the dementia-friendly airport? Sure. It's www. <laughs> and then one word, all spelled out. Dementia Friendly Airports, plural, dot com. Paula, is there a um, Dementia Friendly Working Group for the airport on Facebook? I know you have one for Roseville AD. No, it's not on Facebook. Paula, can you give us the the name of the group for the Roseville AD on Facebook? Sure, it's Roseville MN Dementia Info. Okay. I just uh, celebrate all of you and your work. I think it's amazing. I can't wait to see what comes forth because I really do think that you are gaining energy and you're just kind of like this little tiny snowball rolling down a big mountain and um, you're just going to wipe them out and move through and, and make big changes in a really, really good way because people are adding on to that snowball with... Uh, with ideas and the sharing of information is just absolutely spectacular. The, the, the giving um, is really something to see the collaboration. And I think that that's a really, really beautiful thing. So keep up the good work, everybody. And again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.